0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. All right, let's go. On Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent.
2: Radio, wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the World of High Stakes Fantasy Football, and usually I'm joined by my big blue co host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent, but Mike will not be with us tonight. The return of Red vs. Blue Radio and No Blue. Hope you guys enjoyed that final four action, Red vs. Blue. That was pretty historic, pretty epic. Uh, If you're from this area, Louisville versus Kentucky, unfortunately the blue side did come out on top, Uh, but we are uh, ready for next year for sure. Patino's got them ready. Tonight it's all about football. Uh, We've got some big news from the Fantasy Football Players Championship. The first draft of the year for these guys is the Genesis draft coming up in two weeks. Mark your calendar, May 4th, the first draft of the FFPC, the first one that kicked it all off several years ago. Uh, and now it's turned into a $200,000 grand prize high stakes contest with uh, thousands and thousands of teams playing in the FTC, the Football Players Championship, the Football Guy Players Championship, excuse me. And uh, it's really just uh, an amazing uh, thing that we've seen happen over just a few short years. So we're going to get to that. My co-host of the evening is the one and only Eric Boltman. Eric has been with us before, and he is getting ready to debut a new show. So, Eric, welcome to Red vs. Blue, and thanks for being a part of the return of everybody's favorite high-stakes show. What's going on, man? Eric, can hey, you it's hear me? Gerzak. Oh, it's Dave Gerzak. Man, what, <laughs> what You, got, you got, all you Wisconsin guys look alike on the switchboard, man. 920 area code, you never know who it's going to be. Eric's going to be joining us here tonight. Uh, maybe he's having an issue with his uh, phone or something.
1: What's going on, Dave? Nothing. How you guys doing?
2: Hey, uh, man, we're excited to be back. We've taken a a little break uh, from fantasy football for a while. I think it's the first break I've had in probably about 10 years, man. <laughs> I, I think I needed it. It was one of those decompression times. I think I had the best year of my life, and I think fantasy football plays 10th overall in your contest. And I don't know. I just needed I just needed a break, man. Uh, The kids have been growing, you know. They did the family thing for a couple of months, and now kind of getting back into the gear. So hopefully tonight I get all the jitters out of the way and and, uh, we can have a good show tonight. So uh, what's going on in your world, buddy?
1: Not a whole lot. You know, it's like the same type of thing. You know, you just – a lot of guys do that. They take a few months off, two, three months off. Don't think much about fantasy. But, yeah, it's like the draft's a week away. It's time to get back into it.
2: Well, we're going to do that tonight. We have, um, thanks thanks to you coming on, we've got the live Genesis draft coming up in two weeks. And what we thought would be kind of cool is, you know, we've, we've, we've been talking about, man, these guys that are out of the loop, I've been out of the loop, I've been trying to kind of stay in touch, but not nearly as prepared as I usually am in this time of year. And so we said, you know what, what we need to do is we need to get these draft picks rolling out. So. Uh, let's get right to it, man. The, the Genesis Draft is the start off, the kick off of of the FFPC season. So uh, I have the draft picks here in front of me. I've got them right here on uh, the special facts that came over from from one Chris Lambert. <laughs> uh, special facts right here with the uh, with the twelve draft picks. So do you want me to read them off, or, or do you or, or do you have them there as well?
1: I have them in front of me, but you know, if, if you know, I can I can uh, I can do the first. Uh, Two picks at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, um,
2: I, number t- I number
1: twelve. I twi- twi- uh- I feel I feel obligated to do the uh, the tenth and el- ten- or the eleventh and twelfth picks. Um, we have Team Thompson, Don Thompson as a twelfth pick, and uh, you know King uh, King Legacy, you know Mister King shit Team Legacy. He's number eleven. So there you go.
2: Well, hey, I've had worse and I've had better. I, you know, the 11 picks is going to be interesting. I don't even know what's going to be there yet. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But tonight we plan on figuring out this first round just a little bit. I, who knows how much is going to change uh, in two short weeks we have the nfl draft i don't think a lot's going to change with that but we'll we'll talk about that tonight but i would like to get kind of a mock first round done tonight that'd be that'd be kind of a goal of the program we've got we've got an outline usually when i put an outline we get through maybe a third of it but we're we are going to try to get through the first round of this genesis draft so i draw the 11 pick okay i can live with that don thompson at the 12. Are, you, are, you gonna, are you
1: gonna take newton? Are you taking
2: cam newton there I love Cam Newton, man. You know that's what uh, that's what made me all that cash last year. I bid nine hundred and about nine hundred bucks on him last year. And and the funny thing is about that, and and a lot of people remember this. For Cam Newton last year, had the big first week, and a lot of the leagues didn't pick him up. I mean, some leagues drafted him, but after that big first week, it was against Arizona, and everybody was like, eh, he's not gonna play Arizona every week. So a lot of leagues, like my high stakes league, these guys are pulling up fifteen hundred dollars a team, and they let every one of us, all twelve of us, let him walk and slide in the week two, and then he did it again.
1: That's crazy. I, I, can't, I, I can't remember again. You know what that is? That, that's ra- ra- a- that's racism, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're racist. I'm trying I'm trying to create some controversy on your show here. So I'm bringing I'm bringing the, playing the race card already on Newton. Hey, it, we
2: are not going to have any Trayvon Martin references here tonight. So uh, that's the
1: last.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it, it was interesting though. It was after week two was the uh, it, it, it it bankrupted me basically for the year. But thankfully, I didn't need it. I, I guess I drafted pretty solid. But what was that? I think it was against Green Bay week two last year, and he still did what he what he did week one. I think he topped it off with like 400 yards or something. But uh, yeah, Cam Newton, Man, I see his
1: first amazing. round pick.
2: Dave, you've, you've been a high-stakes veteran for years. Just how unconventional is it to draft your quarterback in round one? Would you ever consider doing it?
1: Um, no, I probably wouldn't. It's just my nature. I don't think to take a quarterback that early. But, you know, in these high-stakes leagues, a lot of times, even a guy as good as Cam Newton, everybody talks the talk, like, yeah, you know, he's good. But um, he, then he ends up going at, like, two, eight, two. You know, like, he gets to the point as these leagues go on where it's just, Eventually, someone's like, "All right, you know what? It's a three-one. Screw it. I got to take him because no one's taking him. He's supposed to be an eleven pick, you know."
2: Well, there's about—I uh, don't know how many elite quarterbacks there are. There's at least five or six of them this year that you'd be absolutely thrilled with. So we'll we'll talk about that as we get a little deeper into the show tonight. Let's let's keep going. Don Thompson's going to be tough there at twelve. I just, I, you know, somebody like that. All these guys though—they're all veterans. So there's not a, there's not an easy spot to be in this draft. Number ten—I've got it right here. Uh, Mr. 4D himself, Mike Krusek, uh veteran, definitely somebody that you have to watch out for. Number number nine is Donnie T. Azuri, and you never know what you're going to get with Donnie, but you are going to get a competitive team at the end of the day. You're going to get a, a few antics. You're going to get uh, a few blow-ups in the season when he gets screwed on a draft pick or a free agent bid or something <laughs> like that. You can count on that. So the, That's there's a the bottom. Uh you want to go with number eight, go ahead and run us by who's got the
1: number eight pick. Number eight. That's uh, Jules McLean, Smokey's doghouse. One of the best female fantasy football players and fantasy football players in the country. She's a uh, fantastic host of FF fantasy freaking com. You know, she's great.
2: Yeah. I wish I had the link to that. That is uh you can Google it. fantasy Jules McLean. Uh, she's got some ties with, uh, some, some pretty big movie producers out there. So, uh, She's but she but she's a passionate fantasy football player. She knows her stuff. She hangs with the big dogs. She's one of the best, not only female players in the world, if not the best. Uh, there's there's a there's a short list of females that are very very competitive in this sport. And the funny thing is, they're competitive with all the guys, uh, just as good, if not better.
1: So, Jules, you know Jules. Talking about Jules, I mean she works for Quentin Tarantino, right? So I, I, I always wanted to ask her, you know, what was in that box in Pulp Fiction? You know that that briefcase. What was that gold thing? So we should ask her that at some point. Yeah, ask her that it, next week.
2: <laughs> it was a soul, and no, I thought it was all, I thought it was the soul. Uh, you know, no, so that's that's,
1: a, a, that's all rumor, man. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's ever been established what it was exactly. I I read up on it once. I don't know.
2: You got the he's had the Band-Aid and the cross in his neck, you know, and it was the uh, that's apparent. I don't remember the exact story. Yeah, you will have to will have to Google and figure figure that out, but. <laughs> Number seven, number seven is Pittsburgh's finest. Chef Paul is back and better than ever at the seven pick. I see about six picks that I'd really like to have, and then there's kind of this question mark about what you're going to do in the draft. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. So Chef Paul maybe doesn't see it that way. Maybe he's going to take a Richard Mendenhall off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he will. <laughs> He's probably a little upset about Mike Wallace and the story there with uh, no no takers for Mike Wallace, the fastest man in the NFL supposedly, and and not a single taker to paying top five money. What do you think of that, Dave?
1: I don't know. I mean, does he have a does he have like does he have that unspoken weed reputation or something? I mean, you know, I'm not trying to spread rumors, but I mean, is that the thing on him? I really don't know. I mean, why wouldn't you want a guy with that talent level? It's amazing the talent level that he had, but the
2: season that he put up wasn't that much more impressive than Antonio Brown, and, and maybe Antonio Brown is the reason why he didn't get the contract because teams can look at a guy like Antonio Brown and say these guys are everywhere, you know. All we got to do is use them. We just got to step back and throw and get these guys in space and let them go. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown, you don't have to pay top
1: five money for, and you can get him. It's, you, know, you, know, it's, totally, you know, I it you know, you got to disagree with that though. You're, you're kind of saying that, but. When you see Mike Wallace play and he's out there running those routes, he, he it just seems like every time that Roethlisberger hits him, he's like wide open. You know what I mean? Like he's like downfield, and it's like there's no one within eight yards of the guy. It's like he just—he just seems like such a fantastic talent to me. I'm just—I'm really shocked at that. Well,
2: well, I think last year was his. Um, I, I think the first year that he really played against number one corners, and he put up a top ten season. So he's a top ten wide receiver. I think there's no argument there, uh, but are you going to pay top five money for it? So, you know, that's kind of the question. Uh, you know, so there, there is a little bit of disparity there. All right, let's go on to number six. I know this guy has been waiting for his pick. He's, he's happy to have not heard his name yet, and he's in the chat room at the crew here at Red vs. Blue. Go ahead and
1: read his name off. Oh, me? <laughs> Santos, it's you, buddy. You're going to be pissed now that you don't have the one pick. Coyote Streakers, the one and only Mike Santos. Uh,
2: you gotta, you gotta think that um, after his success last year, doubling it up, winning the varsity league two years in a row, and didn't he take down the big payback league as well? I mean, that's, that's
1: yeah, pretty it's ridiculous. Re-
2: really it? Yeah, pretty, pretty incredible run in the playoffs for uh, Mike Santos and somebody that you definitely. Don't want to see in your league, but there he is, right, sitting here in the middle. Number five is actually also in our chat room. Haven't talked to him uh, and, and haven't seen him in quite a while, but did get a chance to talk to him this afternoon. John Duckworth of BFD Fantasy War Kittens, uh, the number five pick. You got to like Johnny's uh, Dynasty show that he puts out there every, uh, what, Tuesday night? Wednesday night? What is that? Tuesday night? Nine o'clock.
1: You might, do you listen to it every Tuesday or Wednesday? I'm not sure what day it is. It is a great show though. I mean, these guys they get a lot of downloads on on iTunes. I mean, that there's not a lot of guys doing uh, dynasty coverage, and these guys really know their know their stuff.
2: They do great. They do a great job. I, I unfortunately don't catch a lot of them live because those are that's the time of night I'm putting the kids to bed and everything. But I but I always come back on to check out the show, and it's uh, Michael Bronte and uh, Johnny. And then they have Shane Howland, they all do a great job for uh Lou and BFT fantasy. All right, we're yep. down to the number four pick. Number four pick. Uh you know this guy pretty well because he almost took down your entire contest last year, Dave.
1: Yeah, that's uh Glenn Lowy, Glen Ration X. He is a really, really good player. In a lot in multiple sports actually too.
2: Glenn is at the number four pick. You've got to think that he is guaranteed one of the top three running backs for Calvin Johnson. It's a pretty good spot to be in if you're in the top four because you don't feel like you have to take any risk at all and you get a a super uber elite player there. So number three is our very own Tommy Yates, Recovery Boys. He always likes his uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and his uh, Larry Fitzgerald. So I don't think we'll see either of those at the three pick. Uh, he's got again one of the top four picks there, and I I fully expect him to take advantage and draft one of those running
1: backs or
2: Calvin Johnson. He might slip up there.
1: Hey, didn't didn't uh, Yates take Fitz number one in what in, in this draft last year, or was that the he year did. before? No.
2: Yeah, 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 I think, it was, I think <laughs> it was two years ago. What an idiot!
1: Yeah, that's good. Hey, so I think Eric's, Eric uh, might be on hold there. I don't know if he is or not, if you want to bring him in. Absolutely.
2: Let's bring in Crafty Balky. Eric, how you doing, buddy?
0: Uh, I'm doing well, guys. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, as, as I kind of make my Red versus Blue debut tonight and my blog talk radio debut, I, I think I can think of no better way to express the professionalism that you can expect from myself going forward here than, Showing up 15 minutes late and being incommunicado for the last 45 minutes. I, I think that uh, the listeners have really been let behind the curtain on this one, and, and fully know what the, the type of dedication they can expect going forward. Well done. Thank you. Hey, the, the good thing
2: about this good thing about this community is they will wait for you uh, no matter how long. Just let the music play, and they will be there.
0: Well, the great thing about it is, is Scott, is, is they don't realize the mediocrity that they're that they that they're missing with me. Um, you know, they can think that they're missing, uh, you know, all this great stuff and this fantastic analysis and, you know, this great way to spend an hour, and that's all fine. But once they actually listen and, and realize that, oh, okay, this guy's really not all that talented, he doesn't really uh, – Care about his listeners at all? I think then, then they really won't be that let down because they realize, hey, you know what? We weren't missing much from the get go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: okay.
2: I think they're I, I think they're quite used to that here at Red versus Blue. I'm, I'm I'm just saying I think I, I think we can I think we can live up to your rep- reputation. But there's got to be a story, man. I mean, you know, it's time for brutal honesty here on Red versus Blue, and, and our crew expects it. The the crew here, in the chat room at Red versus Blue. Uh, nine route Billy was look at the crew showing up on the first night. Thank you so much for being a part of red versus blue, but they they might want to know some details. You know, was there
0: a fire? Was there a, what did you drop a baby? Right. Yeah. You know,
1: what happened? Was there
2: an emergency room involved? What, what
0: was it? Yeah. No, I, I feel like I owe it to the listeners so I can come clean. Um, it's tough um, remaining anonymous while giving these interviews to these these different media outlets uh, and calling myself an unnamed scout, throwing Matt Khalil under the bus and throwing Robert Griffin uh, under the bus. It's, I got to be switching cell phones all the time and I can't make sure I'm being tracked. And I, you know, I just got caught up in an interview with uh, with TJ Quinn from ESPN, you know, just basically saying how, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of questions about Andrew Luck's, uh, you know, ability to, to hand the ball off. Uh, there's been a lot of questions. Uh, can he really do that on a professional level? And, and you know, I I, I just uh, I feel that um, my priorities as being the unnamed scout uh, in the news it takes precedence over me being Eric Ball. <laughs>
1: that should I, it very well should. I,
2: I, I gotta tell you, if T.J. Quinn came uh, knocking at my door, I'd have to let him in. So you know, he, he's just he's just that good looking. Let let's finish up, man, real quick. We'll get back to Eric and his analysis of all of the topics we have tonight, Dave. Uh, we have the number two pick here, and uh, I'm, I'm sure these two guys have figured out. They're 1A, 1B here. Go ahead and read them all.
1: All right. At number two, we have Rich Dunn, Oz Rich, Arizona Rich. And then number one is uh, the Bada is Jason Tapley, number one. Yeah, it's funny. These guys,
2: uh, Bada Bingers, right before the uh, show started, he posts on your message board. He's like, please give me good news. I'm tired of getting the 12 pick. And, uh, and here you, go, and you get the one, so you get your choices. No excuses now, man. No excuses. You get your uh, best player available, and that's what uh, whatever whoever you think it is. I personally, and, and I'm gonna go right to the show outline, Dave and Eric. I'll get your thoughts. Arian Foster. Uh, I think he proved to everybody, and, and there were doubters. Obviously, I was one of them. I took Ray Rice uh, at one last year, but there were doubters last year due to the injury. And those hammies, you know, they, they 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 flare up. You know, it's not a it's not a good injury to have. But look what he did after he was uh, after he came back from that injury. There was nothing stopping him. Is there anything stopping Arian Foster right now if you're in a draft from being your number one pick?
0: Well, I think what it comes down to is when you have that number one pick. I, I think that there's so many guys that can that you'd be happy with getting there. Um, which is why I usually like and Dave will. will, will be able to attest to this, I I don't trust myself not to screw things up, because I usually do. So I like to have that third, fourth pick, you know, somewhere around there where I don't have a choice. Like, I don't have the choice to screw up my pick. I take the best possible guy that's out there. Now, if I have the number one pick, yeah, I'd be happy with Arian Foster. I'd also be happy with Ray Rice. The thing is, is is I don't really know how I'm going to feel, and I don't want to pigeonhole myself into saying that Arian Foster is the number one pick right now, because – quite frankly, my opinion is just probably going to change a half dozen times before we start drafting in late August, early September. But as of right now, I mean, if if, if you want to make a case for Foster or Rice as the number one pick, more power to you, because I think you can argue both ways pretty strongly.
2: Hey, Dave, real quick before you comment, Ray Rice is still uh, announcing. Uh, he, he's not reporting without a new deal. They, they franchise tagging, and there's a lot of fear that this could be a Ugly holdout situation like we've seen with Chris Johnson. What do you what do you think about the uh, Ray Rice situation right now?
1: You know that doesn't really that doesn't affect me a whole lot. I mean, if it gets later into the preseason, like the Chris Johnson thing, I mean, then maybe there'd be some uh, some problem there. But I think they'll end up paying him. I mean, uh, I haven't really had, had much time to look at schedules yet, but I was, you know, Ray Rice is so great, but you know, he's supposed to play Pittsburgh since he's got a pretty good defense. Uh, you know, I I would just at this point. Again, it's pretty early. I would just roll with Foster and just be done with it and start looking at the second and third round. You know, just mark that down, write it down, you're done. Okay, what's next? They're great. Their offensive line is so good. It's just like, screw it, let's go. What's next?
2: Well, Eric, I'll turn that to you then. If if let's let's just bring up his concerns there. Let's say schedule is not a concern with him or LaShawn McCoy and Foster's off the board, you're picking at the two pick. Do you let Rice uh, the holdout situation affect you at all, and you go ahead and take McCoy, or do you, uh, do, you do you go ahead and uh, take the risk with Ray Rice?
0: Yeah, the, the thing of it is, is um, like right now the the Rice contract situation doesn't concern me enough that I would take uh, McCoy over him at two. Now, if we're you know drafting in early September and you know he still hasn't played in any preseason games, he still has not reported. Yeah, no question, I'm taking McCoy, but at this stage right now, I'm not. You know, because we've seen – how many times have we seen these, these situations where it's kind of made a big deal of in April and May, and then, you know, by July all of a sudden the guy reports and there's no problem. Even Chris Johnson last year, you look at him, too. How many people stayed away from him and then, you know, got great deals on him in the late first and even early second in some drafts. So, I mean, right now I would have no problem taking uh, Rice number two uh, just because I, I think more often than not these contract – situations are a little bit overblown this early in the year. And, you know, 90% of the time they're resolved by, you know, June or early July. Dave, real
2: quick, buddy. Uh, Genesis draft. Thank you for being on the show, Um, man. Give us, give us some little bit of a nugget of information here that we need to know about the FFPC this early in the summer. There's a lot of people here that may not play the FFPC. They may be listening because of red versus blue or the FPC, Tell us what they should know about the summertime coming up here. We're in the spring, heading into the summer NFL draft. What should they do to uh, get ready for the big events in September?
1: Um, you know, just to pimp it a little bit, we've you know we got an early bird deadline that ends right at the, after the NFL draft, so anyone who wants to play the main event can, can join. Uh, anyone who likes us on Facebook can have a chance to win a trip to Las Vegas. Um, $3,000 value main event team, 500 bucks spending money, airfare, three nights at Rio, just go on Fantasy Football Players Championship on Facebook. You can search for it. So that's pretty cool. I mean, we've got a lot of live stuff going on. We have, um, you know, auctions, draft masters. Uh, that Thursday night, we have a special event that's unannounced at, um, at this point. And, um, I'm not drinking tonight, so otherwise I'd probably just say it on accident, you know, but it's all good. So, you know, I think we're actually, uh, you know, we're in good shape. We have a, a really good, um, we have, a, we have a lot of players already signed up for our main event, so I think this is by far going to be our best year, and uh, we're just really excited.
2: You know what I'm most amazed at is the dynasty surge that has happened in your contest, man. I, I never would have dreamed in a million years that you guys would have filled. I mean, we're in the 1250 dynasty, and I thought that was the big dog on the planet, you know, and now all of a sudden here we are and we have how many? how many do you have now, three, four?
1: Yeah, we have we have three twelve fifty dynasty leagues, which is you know one thousand two hundred fifty dollars per team to enter, and yeah, and you know th- there's just those fantastic players. Now we're up to seven different uh, seven hundred fifty dollar dynasties, and we still have the one five hundred, so that puts us up to eleven leagues. And we have you know we have people that are still emailing them or they're interested. Um, and if anyone's interested in dynasty, they can get on the players of interest list. Just email me at Dave at myffpc.com. dot com, and um, we're probably going to throw another seven fifty out there in mid June. So. It's uh, it's really exciting, actually. It's it's great for football because yeah, I'm not a big baseball guy, I'm not a basketball guy, and I know a lot of other people aren't. So it's really cool that people can now kind of follow and get into football year round, and say, all right, well, where's this guy going? What's going on with this guy and this team? And uh, and really get into their dynasty stuff right around this time of year.
2: Well, and we've been playing high stakes since the very beginning, Dave. And uh, you know, I, you know, I play your contest. I'm I'm, I'm not uh, ashamed to say it. Uh, I do try to remain unbiased and impartial. I love the contest, love my enjoyment level for it, love the prize, security, all the good stuff that goes with it. And the 77 leagues are something that takes off all throughout the off season. I was just going to mention them. They're uh, they're a lot of fun. They're kind of draft. Sit them and forget them, man. You don't have to worry about lineups. They're 77 bucks. You throw them out there, and, it, and it's best ball lineup type uh, deal. Those are a lot of fun, too. And I think you get FFPC bucks, so you get to roll it over into higher stakes leagues, which is kind of cool. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be playing some 77s. I'm getting ready to uh, draft in the Genesis League and that'll be a lot of fun. We will talk to you hopefully in two weeks, Dave. Uh, Friday night, man. Be be uh, be available and we'll uh, we'll draft Genesis and we'll have a good time.
1: Alright, sounds good. I'll talk to you guys later and uh, have a good rest of your show. Alright, man. Good stuff. Dave Gurzak from
2: North FTC decided to come and join us. A lot of fun uh, that Dave was able to uh, to show up. We've got Eric Balkman with us tonight. He is getting ready to debut a new show uh and we're excited to be checking that out. I think that might also be a Friday night endeavor as well. Not too sure, Eric, of your details there, but um uh, what are your uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, You're going to be covering high stakes world and uh what what's kind of the flavor of the show?
0: Yeah, I think that's uh that's exactly what it's going to be. It's uh it's called The High Stakes Fantasy Hour um and it's uh, going to be myself and uh unfortunately I have to host it with uh Dave Gerzak. Uh so that's sort of uh me drawing the short straw on that one. But uh it's gonna be um, it's actually gonna be on Friday nights, uh ten o'clock Eastern time. It'll run uh for an hour until eleven Eastern. So it'll uh lead in nicely to your show, uh Scott. Uh but basically we're gonna you know we're gonna have um some interviews, some guests on. Uh every week we'll be uh recapping some uh some fantasy football news. Um every week we'll also be talking about uh some high stakes fantasy football news as well kind of covering what's going on uh, in uh, in that venue, because I think that uh, primarily uh, all of our listeners are uh, high-stakes players. And let's face it, we know that the high-stakes players are the best fantasy players in the world. You um, might have some few, uh, a few surprises uh, if you listen in uh, for the whole show, but um, it, it's going to be something that uh, covers um, you know fantasy football, yes, but uh, be a big emphasis on uh, high-stakes fantasy football going forward high stakes fantasy hour uh fantasy football hour uh ten o'clock Eastern time every Friday night.
2: Sounds like a lot of fun, dude. I can't wait. Uh, let's look at these quarterbacks. We've got a huge outline. I don't know how much we're gonna get through. Let's just roll through what we've got. Uh next on the on the docket here is I'm gonna skip over the NFL draft for a second. Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, and Drew Brees. All these guys have this potential to be drafted in the first round. Very unconventional in these types of scoring leagues where it's only four points per touchdown, and you need to start a flex player in these leagues. So there's depth that's very important as a running back, wide receiver, and tight end position. Uh, I'm looking at quarterbacks, and I see all the talented studs, Cam Newton, Stafford. uh, Eli was even a stud, number six. Then you got Romo, Rivers, Vic, missed three games, or he'd be right up there as well. you got all these quarterbacks, so depth is really not a problem. You can pass on a quarterback. But can you see yourself snagging a quarterback in the first round?
0: No, I I can't. And and I've never, I think, outside of maybe the first year or two I played uh, fantasy football, I I still thought that, you know, taking a a high-powered quarterback, a a talented quarterback in a high-powered offense was the right way to go, and that's how you win a fantasy title. I've just seen it fail too much. Um, Joe a Baker boy, uh, said uh, one time that – He's just not good enough uh, of a fantasy player to take a quarterback that early because he needs all the extra, you know, running backs, receivers, and tight ends. He needs to stack all those guys. He's just not good enough to take a quarterback that early. And, and I think that's, uh, that's kind of how I feel about it, too, is is I'm not comfortable enough in, in not getting like a stud running back or, or, you know, maybe Calvin or somebody like that in the first round, depending upon where I pick. I'm not confident enough in – building a team with a quarter taking a quarterback in the first round even if it's Aaron Rodgers I'm not confident that that team is going to be as good as waiting for somebody you know like Matt Stafford even or Tony Romo or Eli Manning or or even playing you know QBBC you know by getting three quarterbacks you know later on and and just play matchups with those I'm much more comfortable with that um than I am taking a quarterback that early uh in the first round In, in the same way Baker Boy is you know, feels he's not good enough. I also don't feel I'm good enough to do it.
2: So let's talk about this real quick. I'm going through the first round. You got Foster, Rice, McCoy. You've got Calvin Johnson somewhere. That's pretty much the undisputed top four. Then you have to have these quarterbacks, these tight ends enter the discussion. Gronkowski and Graham. Since you do have one and a half points per catch uh, for tight ends, uh, you got Gronkowski and Graham. I could definitely see them getting up there. I don't really look at other wide receivers like Wes Welker or Roddy White or Fitz at that point. I mean, I get, you know, Fitz is just a great wide receiver, the most talented wide receiver in the league, very likely, but it's he, just the quarterback situation is still unresolved. So I can't see myself pulling the trigger that early. Andre Johnson's back. Maybe he's healthy. He was a name that maybe gets back there. Okay, so we could put him somewhere in the first round. But, you know, do you, do you um, MJD proved us wrong last year. So, what what are the guys that you would take uh before you would take a quarterback
0: well i think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of those guys i think the the guys i look for in the first round are are not necessarily these boomer bust type guys like you know a guy with a bad contract situation or maybe you know battling an injury uh going into training camp i had the opportunity to take arian foster early in a lot of drafts last year and i and the only one i did take him in was the one I took him first overall where I found out five minutes later that he was battling a hamstring injury. So I I typically like a guy who's healthy going uh, into the season and a guy who's explosive, a guy who's a playmaker, a guy who has the opportunity to score a lot of points on whatever team it is. So a guy like Ray Rice would be perfect, LaShawn McCoy, um, Andre Johnson. Obviously, whether I'm picking at the the front of the first round or the back end, I mean, I I probably wouldn't look for a receiver in, in the top five picks. Um, but picks six through twelve, yeah, I'd have no problem taking Calvin or Andre Johnson. I'm, you know, I might even think about Larry Fitzgerald too because these guys are elite athletes. They're, they're, you know, fantastic football players. You know, and uh, they, they all have the opportunity to put up huge numbers. And I mean, if you're trying to win a national event, you want to, you want to take the guy that can help you get there. The the guy who's going to be the explosive MVP candidate type guy. Um, but you don't want to get too crazy in the first, John. So I'm all for going for the explosive guy who's uh, who's able to put up a lot of points. All right. So
2: so I, I went ahead and added some of those names. Uh, I've added AJ, Chris Johnson, MJD, Jimmy Graham, Gronk, depending on the injury. But I would imagine that he, he's just so dominant of a player in this format. I think you have to consider him up here. Uh, I'm up to nine players. Okay, I'll go ahead and throw in your fits. I'm just trying to see if a a quarterback can make this first round. Rodgers, it it almost seems like now's the time for Rodgers. I could throw in a Darren. You know, Darren Sproles, too early for the first. Marshawn Lynch, it seems like it's too early. Ryan Matthews, again, just not the type of player I want if I could get one of those elite quarterbacks. Matt Forte, again, the issue with... The holdout and possible Michael Bush situation, Jamal Charles, the injury in Hillis. The, the, there's just so many issues there. Adrian Peterson, we haven't even talked about, but again, another injury. So, man, I'm I'm, I'm really tempted to pull the pull the trigger on the, on one of those quarterbacks. Give me Rodgers or give me Cam right here around the end of the round. I'm I'm sitting at 11, so this this might just work out where I'm where I'm faced with this decision. Right, that's why I'm so hung
0: up over it. And I totally agree with you, Scott. I think that's a decision that you could be faced with, uh, especially at the 11 pick. Uh, what happens if, you know, seven running backs and three receivers go or six backs and four receivers or, you know, four backs, four receivers, and two tight ends? Now now, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to take the number four or five running back or the number, you know, four receiver? Or do you take the number one quarterback in Aaron Rodgers? Um, I'm, I'm confident enough that even if I was drafting at 11 and I know it's early, I'm confident enough that at least one, maybe two of those quarterbacks would go in the top ten, where you still wouldn't be faced with that decision. But if you are, if you're in that spot and there's nobody else that uh, that you feel is is a difference-making player in that first round that you couldn't maybe get in the wraparound in the second, then yeah, I mean, why not take Rogers? Why not take Cam? Uh, why not take somebody like that? Even you know, and Drew Brees, you can make the case for. I think Rogers and, and Cam Newton are ahead of him, but. You know, when it comes down to it, I don't think that you'll be faced with that decision. But if I was and if I was in your shoes, yeah, I mean, pull the trigger on Aaron Rodgers because you know he's going to get you mucho points every single week.
2: Good stuff, man. Let's change the direction here. We do have two weeks to prepare for Genesis, so I'm glad to get the discussion started. But let's change the focus since we do have the draft coming up next Thursday night. It's going to be awesome. Let's change the focus to the NFL draft. I've got elite rookies here to talk about. We've got Trent Richardson, Justin Blackman, RG3, and Andrew Luck. That's basically the big four. They all have their own unique situation. So let's talk about – let's start it off with Andrew Luck at the one pick. Indianapolis Colts right up here. We're here in Indianapolis. They get a chance to rebuild, and, boy, do they just hit the lottery. You talk about luck. (laughs) <laughs> the horseshoe on the helmet, the luck, the branding, the marketing, the total package. He's got the arm. Did they just hit a gold mine here? A once in a lifetime opportunity to replace Peyton Manning with Andrew
0: Luck. Yeah, I, I hesitate to buy into to all the hype around Andrew Luck because again, you know, using history as a guide, I think we've been let down more often than not. Um I, I do think Andrew Luck's gonna be a very good NFL quarterback at a minimum. Uh yeah, I do think he'll be a great one, you know, quite frankly. But I, I, want to, I, I would slow my role on saying he's the next Peyton Manning, he's the next John Elway. I don't know if that's the case because I haven't seen him play uh, in the NFL yet. So I really, I'm not comfortable enough to put him up with, with the elite. Does he have the potential to do that? Yeah, probably based on what I've, what I've seen, what I've read about him, what other people are saying about him. He definitely has the potential uh, to get there. But Indianapolis gets uh, in a great situation to get him. Uh, I don't know how great they're really setting him up to, re, uh, to, to succeed initially uh, you have an aging Reggie Wayne uh, coming back to catch passes from him, but Pierre Garcon has gone. Um, you know, they, they released Dallas Clark. I believe they lost uh, Jacob Panny as well. I mean, there's not a ton of pass catchers there. Uh, you're looking at, you know, a 32 year old or however old he is, Reggie Wayne. And then a, a guy in Austin Collie who's really struggled to stay on the field, not just one season, but the last few seasons he struggled to stay on the field. So uh, they, they need to give him more weapons to succeed, but, um, you know, I think this guy's the limit for him. I'm just, I'm, I'm not ready to buy into this has got this guy's going to be a difference maker in the NFL yet.
2: All right, we're doing a little fun game in the chat room here, Eric. I posted three and thirteen Peyton Manning's first season with the Colts. Andrew Luck, will you take the over or the
0: under? Um, I would. Ooh, boy, you hit it right on the head there. Um, I would probably take the over on that i think they're better than three and 13 um but man it's so close because you saw i mean essentially that whole team came back this past year except for peyton manning and they were just a train wreck all season i mean i've never seen one player in the nfl make that big of a difference on one team so i I would say that i mean they're, they're probably closer to a four or five win team especially you know if luck kind of picks everything up mid-season, and and then he can scrape up a couple of wins by the end of the season. But, yeah, I mean, 3-13 is almost right on. I I take the over, but, man, it's so close.
2: You think after a two-win season they lose so much that Andrew Luck can replace all that. It's going to be very interesting to see. Number two pick, the controversial pick here uh, for a lot of players who think that he might be better than Andrew Luck based on watching game film, watching him win games, the wheels that he has, Robert – Griffin, RG3, here he is from Baylor, uh, drafted to the Washington Redskins. They have some talent on their roster. You could call it marginal talent. If you look at their wide receivers,
1: the list is
2: Santana Moss, Pierre Garçon, picked up in free agency, Jabar Gaffney, uh, Hankerson from last year, Fred Davis, Cooley's probably gone, and Josh Morgan. Uh, he's got Helu in the backfield, maybe Hightower. I've heard Hightower's looking at the pay- He's visiting the Patriots. What do you think of RG3's first year, and where do you think you're going to have to draft this kid to get him?
0: Well, uh, here's the thing with Griffin, and, and I've said this for you know essentially the last month or so, or whenever he really picked up steam, as, as maybe the Colts would actually take him uh, over luck. Because of Cam Newton having so much success last year and the fact that Griffin and Newton's games are, are very similar and the fact that they're hybrid quarterbacks that – Throw great deep balls can hurt you on the ground as well as they can through the air i think there's a lot of comparisons uh to those two now um I, I i said last year i thought cam newton would be a colossal bust i thought he'd be awful and i i don't think i've ever been more wrong about a player but i'm not willing to to essentially change the the way i i value players and, and the way i rate players and the, the way i kind of I, I don't want to use the word scout but the, the way i kind of judge players i'm not willing to to throw that all out the window just because Cam Newton was an outlier, just because he was the exception to the rule and, and not the rule itself. So I, I temper my expectations on Griffin. I like Luck significantly better. But a big difference between the Redskins and the Colts is the Redskins are being very proactive in surrounding him uh, with weapons. Roy kilu Pierre Garçon. Uh, we don't know if Santana Moss is going to be back, but we know Chris Cooley and Fred Davis are going to be back. Um, that they're going out and bringing weapons in where I'm not really seeing that on the Indianapolis end. So I think Griffin's going to be set up to succeed. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he's Cam Newton, um, and I think he's not going to be the player a lot of people expect him to be. But I think he's, he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, um, just maybe not his first year. As far as where you take him in, like, a dynasty redraft uh, or a dynasty rookie league, I, I mean, I'm probably looking. If you really want him, you probably have to take him uh, within the top five or six picks, um, but I won't be using – Uh, you know, any of those picks on Griffin. It's interesting. The Redskins have – I I just posted
2: in the chat room that the Redskins are better than the Giants, uh, your Super Bowl champs. And they started (laughs) off the year, beat New York in New York, and then they beat them on their home field. Uh, So I I don't have – you don't really have an argument with that statement. They match up extremely well with the Giants. They have a very good defense – uh, the offense with RG3 is pretty exciting. I don't care who the receivers are now. You know, I think his best receiver was Kendall Wright. So, you uh, know, rookie draft, obviously he's in the top four or five picks or something like that. In a, in a, in a redraft league this week, two weeks from now at Genesis, I think you're going to have to take this guy somewhere around the – you know, eighth or ninth round, people are going to start wanting to take a chance on him like he is the next Cam. It just depends on how, you know, the guys – And the, these are the season guys. They're not going to get caught up in the Cam Newton hysteria for RG3. They're going to look at their team and say, what do they need? But I could see him uh, – I could see somebody taking a chance uh, even that early. Let's move on to the best running back prospect that we've seen in, uh, well, a lot of people will say since 2007 with Adrian Peterson. In Trent Richardson, man, this kid is an absolute monster. Look at the picture I've got on the uh, on the page here. The, I mean, he's just he's just an absolute beast. He's the uh, six one two zero seven Blitnikoff. Sorry, that's Blackman. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the Cleveland Browns talking about taking uh, Trent Richardson. Do you see? They had Peyton Hillis, and they didn't win with Peyton Hillis when he was an absolute monster there. So. Why would they want to make the same kind of pick here and grab a stud running back when that really doesn't help, you know, accumulate wins on your on your roster?
0: Yeah, I, I kinda of agree with that. I, I think if you have the number four overall pick in the draft, unless you traded for it, you probably have a a lot more holes on your team that could be better filled with uh, a pick other than a running back that early. We've seen the position devalued by uh, you know, NFL GMs over the past couple of years. Um, if I'm Cleveland Listen, it's easy for me to sit here and say, I don't think they should be taking Trent Richardson. I think they should be trying to, you know, solidify that offensive line. They should be getting um, a a ball-hawking player in the secondary. They should be getting a a dominant defensive, uh, pass-rushing defensive end. It's easy for me to say that because I don't have to make the decision. But when it comes down to it, if you're Tom Hector, you have to look at the Browns and say, wow, we don't have anybody on this team that can score points, you know. We have Colt McCoy as our quarterback. We don't have. I mean, we have Greg Little, who is good about every third game. Um, he, there's just no playmakers. There's nobody that, that scores touchdowns on that team. So I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to get a guy who can uh, make plays with the football in his hands. Trent Richardson can catch it. Uh, he's great. At, uh, you know, at running it. I don't want to break down this whole game here because I know we got limited time. But um, I, I think that I. You know, it's easy for me to say I wouldn't pick him number four, but I can totally see why they. Would. He, the question becomes this uh, this hysteria around
2: Ryan Tannehill and do you believe in Colt McCoy? You, look, it's a quarterback league. You have to have a quarterback. At the end of the day, GM Tom Heckert said, if you're not going to take a quarterback, I think you have to take Trent Richardson. That's the only statement he's made. If you're not going to take a quarterback, I think you have to take Trent Richardson. So he's not committing on Tannehill. He's not committing on Richardson. He, it's just kind of in the middle here, and, I, and I'm not sure – with the situation with the Vikings, let's back it up to the three pick. You've got you've got the three. They have to get protection for Christian Ponder. Khalil, the tackle from USC, just seems like the most most obvious pick there if they keep it. So when it comes down to the 4s you you've got the Cleveland Browns sitting there. The best backs is Adrian Peterson, very likely. I mean, this guy's just a monster. We've seen all the highlights. We looked at the stats. He's a 20 plus touchdown guy. He finally got his chance to shine. But look what Mark Ingram did. I mean, you know, he was the guy, the lead of workhorse, and, and, you know, now he's in a crowded situation. Running backs just don't seem to dictate success. You take the best running back in the league and you have Adrian Peterson and Minnesota doesn't go to the playoffs. Uh, conversely, you go to Arian Foster with Houston and it seems like it does propel them to the playoffs. So it's kind of kind of one of those things. It, it, it can work, but most of the time it really doesn't. When you look at the playoff teams, uh, the, the really good ones, it's not like they have this super stud running back at the helm. So if you're Cleveland, excuse me, you got to have a ground game. You lost Peyton Hillis. So you have to do something there, but I'm not so sure if you do it at four. If, if I'm a rookie drafter in a dynasty league, I'm taking Trent Richardson number one. I don't care where he lands. You know, that's just kind of the way dynasty leagues work. But if I'm the Browns, I have to seriously consider does this pick make sense or could we be better served? by pulling a Bill Belichick and drafting and trading down. And that's what's worked for Belichick for years. He's masterful. He's he, I I heard a stat how many times this happens. Uh they always trade down a, a majority of the times. So I would think learn from the best. And if if the running back isn't the right fit here, trade down, gobble up as many picks as you can and try to make uh try to build through the draft. So that, that, that's that's my thoughts on it So if you have anything else to add you, We can do that or you can move on to Justin Blackman Yeah let's talk about Blackman
0: Okay Justin I'll Blackman just Yeah I'll just say this About Justin Blackman So um, a guy I was really excited about uh, The previous season at His previous season at Oklahoma State I thought he was going to be fantastic um, And he really is Now uh, what I will say about him Is he doesn't you know, I talk about that explosion and I don't know if he necessarily has like the, well, who does have the explosion of like Calvin Johnson later to show any of those guys. But I, I mean, he's, he's got great hands. He runs crisp routes. Um, he had a fantastic uh, fiesta bowl against Stanford on, on, on a national level. And I think that you're seeing uh, his talent really come through there. And, and now I think if you if you paid attention the last few weeks, a lot of people are saying that, you know, they like Michael Floyd just as better or maybe even more uh, than Justin Blackman. So uh, I think there's something to be said for that, but I, I haven't backed off Justin Blackman in the in the fact that I think no matter where he goes, and you talked about it with the situation with Trent Richardson, no matter where he goes, I gotta believe that if I have the two pick in a dynasty league, and Trent Richardson, assuming he goes number one, I gotta take Blackman there, and and I'll feel really good about it.
2: I gotta, I I like Blackman. I I always have, uh, you know, Oklahoma State has this thing with these big wide receivers. First it was Dez Bryant, and now it's now it's Justin Blagman, and you know he plays big. He's not necessarily you know six one uh, is not you know tall for a wide receiver, but he but he plays big. I I seem like a you know a mix between uh, Bolden and I guess maybe Dez, but I don't know. He, he definitely has some Bolden in him, and he and he makes plays. But the, I, I tweeted before the show came on. I was like, is he is it is it is he a jerk? I mean, you saw the touchdown right where he he he. Nine minutes left in the game, he's, you know, scrolling across the, the the field, you know, instead of scoring the touchdown. And so it was showboating, right? Or was it just Swagger? I mean, he's a son of a Marine. He had this DUI back in October. But, you know, if you look a little closer at that, it was well below the legal limit. It was barely trace amount of alcohol. He did the wrong thing. He made a mistake. It was his only mistake he made, if you look at at, at his past. and But he was under 21. You know, so you can't do that, and that's a big mistake, and it's going to live with him. And it might cost him a whole lot of money here if he, if he drops because of that. So the, my question was, was it a jerky showboat move, or was it just swagger, you know, that, that touchdown run? So I think teams are really trying to evaluate his mental acuity here to understand what type of player are we getting. Because if you're going to spend top five, top six, top ten money on a player, you cannot let it bust. Uh, it's it's just a it's a very difficult thing to overcome. So – I'd I'd really like to see somebody like the Rams, Sam Bradford. It seems like a good fit. You know, he needs a number one, and I don't know what they're doing at wide receiver there. I still don't understand. You bring in Steve Smith, uh, you have uh, all the Amendola and um, Alexander, and I don't even know what else you got on that team, but you got those rookies from last year, Pettis and Salas. You just got a, a huge mess of the same wide receiver there, Gibson. You need a wide receiver. Bradford must have one to recover from what he had last year.
0: Totally agree, and and I think that uh, as much as St. Louis has all the difficulty they've had trying to get some consistency at receiver and trying to get that you know that uh, lockdown number one guy who's going to catch you seventy eighty balls a year get twelve hundred yards and eight or nine touchdowns, you know I think that this just seems like too obvious a move uh, not to make. I, I think that if you draft Justin Blackman, you've answered a question that you've been. Try, you know, you've been trying to answer it for essentially the last four seasons at a minimum. So I think it's it's pretty obvious that if he's there, you take him, um, and, and, and you don't look back. I, I think that, uh, he, you know, he's not a bad guy. I don't think that uh, he has any more character questions than a lot of guys in this draft. So, uh, I, you know, I, I take him, I move on, and, and I try to fill some other holes because I have my playmaking receiver if I just draft Justin Blackford.
2: Walkie, well, do you believe in the Madden Curse? I mean, every single year it seems like it doesn't matter who is on the cover. The Madden Curse defies all odds, defies all logic. And if you land on the cover, you better just say your prayers and eat your vitamins and, and, and pray to God that it doesn't happen to you. And this year the finalists for this coveted, prestigious position is Cam Newton and Calvin Johnson. And I I know (laughs) dynasty owners everywhere are cringing. You know, if you own one of these guys, you do not want to see it happen. Do you believe in the man curse?
0: The thing is, is, you know, let's talk about the curse of 370 as an analogy for a second. And while it's been debunked a few times, more often than not, if you have 370 carries um, in one year, typically the next year you just, you're not, you don't do as well. And I've heard the argument saying, well, Adrian Peterson had 364 carries. Does six carries really make a difference? Well, in the world of curses, it does, okay? <laughs> the Madden curse, same thing. I broke my mouse, you know, trying to vote uh, everybody, everybody who went against Aaron Rodgers uh, in that Madden uh, contest uh, to, to vote who'd be on the cover. I broke my mouse. I broke my browsers. I crashed at least two computers. trying to make sure Aaron Rodgers would not be on there. You know, as a big Packers fan, I know that if that guy busts, the whole season's done, especially now that Matt Glenn's in Seattle. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it's silly not to. Yes, there's no logical explanation for it. Yes, it's ridiculous, and and I have no scientific backing. But do I believe in it? Yeah. People believe in God, and they've never seen him. I've never, you know, seen somebody – Put a cur- you know, the Madden curse on somebody, but I sure as hell believe in it.
2: Let's keep going with the draft, dude. Why, why didn't Miami do something about a quarterback? I-, I don't understand what they're trying to do. If they're trying to lose their fan base, they're doing a hell of a good job at it. They get rid of Marshall. They brought in Reggie Bush. They did hit uh, gold there, but uh, you've got this quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. The name keeps coming up. Uh, the coaching ties that he has there from Texas a and you know, he got fired. Uh, the coach got fired coaching Texas A&M. So it's not like it was a great experiment with Tannehill. Tannehill had several three-interception games. Each time he threw for three picks, he lost. And it's just, I mean, okay, 6'4", 220, and it's one of the very few guys. It seems like a Ryan Leaf situation again. You know, where did this guy come from? And then all of a sudden he's, there he is. He's got a much better head on his shoulders, apparently. But do you think do you see Miami uh pulling for him? They didn't pull the trigger on Matt Flynn. They didn't pull the trigger on any of the high profile guys coming. Uh what, what do you what do you see from Miami?
0: I uh I do another podcast, um with a couple of guys uh, from college and one of them is a massive Miami Dolphins fan and it's gotten to be the point where there's just so many jokes that we can make about the Dolphins that it's not even fun to joke about it anymore the, the, the way that uh, you know the personnel moves that they've they've made the past few years um, you know training Brandon Marshall for a couple of third round picks and now you have you know Brian Hartline and Legadoo Nene as your starting receivers you know it's just it's, it's not a good situation down there and and they don't really have a quarterback now I think that here's what I'll say about Ryan Tannehill. He came to Texas A&M as a wide receiver and, you know, essentially has played the quarterback position for one full season. So I don't know if there's – if we can really judge, you know, what kind of quarterback he's going to be in the NFL just based upon one year of film and one year of study because he's still, you know, devolving into the position. Uh, you think about guys who have had three or four years uh, experience uh, at quarterback at a major college and have gotten drafted, um, you know, lower than him and, you know, not played as well as he did in his first year. So I think the jury's still out on Tannehill. Um, and, the, you know, with the personnel decisions that Miami's made, I, I think why not take him if he's available at that pick? Because he's certainly got a lot of upside. Um, he can uh, be a very good NFL quarterback. And, you know what, if, if he busts, so what? It's just in the, another long line of, of, uh, of bad decisions that that uh, front office has made.
2: I gotta tell you, man, I like the Clyde Gates kid. We didn't see a lot of him last year. I kind of like him uh, to to maybe emerge at some point. I mean, they don't have, like you said, you already named it. You you got to beat out Art line, and uh, that has a role in the offense. No matter, you know, he's a great slot wide receiver. But uh, I I think maybe they could do a. They've got to do something at quarterback. I I don't know what somebody mentioned. Maybe trade for Ryan Mallett or something. Give up your first rounder, maybe get Mallett in a second or something. You know, (laughs) do something to improve your quarterback spot because Matt Moore. If you're a season ticket holder, you can't count on Matt Moore. You can't go to and, and bring your son to a Matt Moore led game. It's the NFL. You have to have a stud quarterback to compete. So. Uh, any other rookie on your radar here, bud? I mean, is, is there somebody else we should be talking about? I know there's some, some running backs out there, Martin and Miller and and uh, Polk. You've got Alshon Jeffries out there. Uh, is there. Is there anybody else that's kind of piquing your interest? The draft is just a few days away. I'm trying to give them a nugget, you know, somebody, somebody that you may be able to take up there in the top five or six picks.
0: Yeah, I think that uh... – you know Those top picks are going to be running backs, or the majority of them. Michael Floyd could sneak in there. But, yeah, I mean, Doug Martin, David Wilson, uh, those guys are going to be up there. Lamar Miller, Chris Polk, I see them as a tier below. Um, so I, I don't really, you know, see a whole lot. Um, uh, they're not very exciting to me, in other words. The only running back that really excites me uh, is Trent Richardson. Um, but, I mean, you know, that said, if Chris Polk lands in a situation where he can um, get into a uh, you know a platoon situation where he's getting ten to fifteen touches a game. I like his game. I mean, he's, he's speedy. He's powerful. Yeah, he showed up out of shape uh, to I can't remember which of the you know college all star games, but you know by the combine he kind of got that back together. So I'm kind i becoming a Chris Polk fan a little bit. So I think that if you uh, you know are picking in you know say that eight nine ten range and Chris Polk's still out there, that, that'd be a good guy to go with. So I think that. Outside of Trent Richardson, he'd be the other running back that that really excites me.
2: Well, hey, if if everybody has listened to this show, you know that I am a, a huge, huge, huge Jets fan, and very disappointed last year at how things turned out. It seems like it's a media circus. They're always trying to one up the Giants in the news, and the Giants up them on the field. And I'm used to that, and I and I get that. Uh, we, we had a couple of successful years. AFC title games didn't get it done. We thought maybe this last year would be the year. I mean, you you have a special player like Darrell Revis, anything's possible. But they really box things up on offense. There's no leadership on the offense. And so they bring in an offensive <laughs> quagmire, okay? It's, it's, it's Tebow mania in Gotham City. What do you see out of the Tebow experiment here? At what point do the fans decide to take a chance on Tebow over what they've seen the last couple of years in Mark Sanchez?
0: I think if you look at the uh, decisions of who the Jets have decided to bring in to be part of their football team uh, over the past few years, they, they like to make a splash in the headlines. Like, like you said, Scott, Tebow is definitely the cannonball uh, of splashes that you can make. So, uh, yeah, I think that Mark Sanchez is going to have the shortest leash he's ever had on, uh, contract extension or not. I expect Tebow to start several games for the Jets this year, uh, especially if they get off to, you know, a two and four starter, a two and five starter, you know, three and six, you know, anything like that, it, the 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 call to Tebow is, is going to happen uh, at some point this season. It's just going to be a matter of it happens, you know, by the middle of the season or the last couple of games of the season. But, yeah, I think he starts a minimum of five or six games uh, for the Jets this year, and it's just – not a good situation to to bring in quarterback controversy uh, onto your team. God bless Tim Tebow.
2: Eric Baldwin, thanks for being a part of Red vs Blue. We look forward to the high stakes fantasy hour coming up. Uh, if you can't, if you're not debuting it next week, come be back on Red vs Blue. We'll have the draft to talk about. We'll break down Genesis. One week to go, guys. Red vs Blue is back and better than ever thanks to Eric Baldwin. We'll see you guys next Friday on Red vs Blue.